NGOs are starting to do a lot of research on what actually is that cost on society of plastic. And the cost of plastic on society is about 10 times the cost that the manufacturer is paying. Hello and welcome to the Age of Plastic podcast. This is an environmental podcast for the sustainably curious using that gateway drug of plastic. I'm Andrea Fox, your host. If you are just joining us for this episode, don't forget to go back and check out the last episode. We spoke to UN senior expert in their environmental program, Jacqueline McGlade, talking about the UN's new environmental plastics report called From Pollution to Solution. Coming up on this episode, we'll have some good news, my guilty consumer moment of the week, and as always, a brilliant guest for you. Now, this topic is one of my favourites, and yours, I know, because I see the downloads. Plastic alternatives. Can seaweed replace our plastic? Well, maybe some of it, according to today's guest, Pierre Pallier co-founder with Rodrigo Garcia Gonzalez, developing their material Ono for their startup called Not Pla, Not PLA. Now they developed this at Imperial College in London. It is an edible, flexible plastic replacement made from seaweed. It biodegrades and disappears without harm to the environment in a few weeks and you can eat it. That's what edible means. Find out the reasons behind those names, Not Pla and Oho, and Pierre's hopes for the upcoming COP26. Plus, where mushrooms, shrimp shell and coffee bean waste could feature in the future of plastic packaging and his experience behind the scenes at huge plastic producer L'Oreal. Here's Pierre from Not PLA. What led you to think, hey, seaweed, that can replace plastic? So um, we actually met with Rodrigo in this master's called uh, Innovation Design Engineering. And it's an interesting place because it brings a lot of like returning professionals from lots of different backgrounds. So I had worked previously in packaging uh, for L'Oreal. I was making shampoo bottles out of plastics and cream jars out of plastic and kind of like quit that job because I wanted to have uh, more kind of like a purpose in what I was doing. And, and Rodrigo uh, was an architect who had been working with plastic as a waste material. Um, we, we didn't really plan on kind of like jumping on this as a, like as, as a business or as a startup. It was more of like a, one of the projects that we jumped on was like, hey, what if we try to kind of like make man-made fruits because we were quite kind of like uh, frustrated with these single-use plastic bottles and these kind of like um, cups and sachets that end up everywhere. And we're like, this is so not nature. Like nature doesn't do things this way. What would be the nature's version of all of these products so we um, like a banana peel exactly, was that what yeah. you were thinking yeah, i mean like okay. you look at like an orange it has like small segments so you can have like small portions i mean everything in nature is is very kind of like optimized for hundreds of millions of years to really work well so i think um the the project was really more of like a, an exploration of uh, what else could happen um and we didn't kind of like start we didn't start with seaweed we, we were actually working out of our kitchen uh, and uh, we were kind of like ordering some food ingredients from Amazon and Alibaba and just kind of like messing around with like recipes and so on. And eventually after trying uh, like tapioca starch and all sorts of different kind of like um, cellulose extracts and uh, uh, aerogels and so on, we, we stumbled upon some seaweed extracts that were used for making fake caviar. Uh, these small fish bowls that like you might have at Christmas 
And this technology was actually invented uh, in the 40s by Unilever for making these kind of like fake uh, food products. Uh, but it never really kind of like got out of this niche application um, for a long time. And, and, and when we kind of like saw that it was possible to make these tiny bubbles out of like these, these seaweed extracted that it was actually transparent, surprisingly, and it was kind of like um, edible. It was, oh, can we make just like bigger bubbles and bigger bubbles and bigger bubbles? And, and eventually- Because you'd imagine decided, it would be green, wouldn't you? Exactly, like seaweed. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and because <laughs> but it's all the product is clear for anyone who hasn't seen it. Exactly. It's kind of like the, like the flower that you get from corn is kind of like white, even if like the corn is not. So it's kind of like a similar kind of extraction process. And so um, we, yeah, to our surprise, we were able to make bigger bubbles and they were kind of like holding their shape and they were kind of like transparent, spherical kind of like orbs that would be like edible. So it was all very kind of like, interesting as a as a concept um and uh, and at that point yeah we we thought wow that's interesting let's make a video about it let's just kind of like share it with our uh, classmates and we also kind of like put it on youtube and that was supposed to be it that was kind of like an interesting experimental project in a masters and over the the summer that, that video went viral on social media and people started to really kind of like see it as a as a true alternative to single-use plastic. And we were like, well, it's very early stage. It's actually very fragile. The first prototypes we made, they were terrible. They were still kind of like tasting a lot of seaweed. It was it was kind of like very far from being a refined product, but it was enough of a starting point for people to be like, oh, wow, could this be like a, a new way of kind of like tackling this plastic pollution? So we thought like, wow, it's not just us who find it interesting, but other people. So um, it felt like it was worth uh, a shot. And so... Yeah, when we graduated, instead of like looking for a job, we applied for a few competitions and awards and, and we got like a little bit of funding to get started. And uh, and, and and we never stopped. <laughs> Amazing. And um, I was going to say, because this uh, packaging is not only biodegradable, but also edible, like you say. Um, and I wanted to just remind ourselves a little bit about that name as well. Uh, not Pla or not PLA, some people might think. Um, let's remind ourselves what PLA is and, mm. and, and what the name is all about as well, Pierre. So one of the things that like, got us really excited about seaweed is that um, it is a naturally occurring material. And again, when we talk about nature, like it's been around for 100 million years. So wherever it ends up, nature knows how to deal with it. Um, and the problem with synthetic materials that like humans have created over the past 50, 100 years is that they're completely new. Like nature doesn't know, doesn't recognize these things. So plastic, uh, no kind of like uh, organism knows how to eat it, turn it into something else. Um, it's basically completely alien. And that's what makes it such an incredibly performant material because you will literally kind of like not break down. It's indestructible. And so um, when, uh, when you look at like uh, using uh, synthetic materials you have all of these questions of what happens at end, end of life um, and within the plastics there are some plastics that are actually uh, like degradable under certain uh, circumstances um, most of which are kind of like industrially made so um, like when you have something that is industrially compostable you need to kind of like first of all 
pick it from the rest of the trash, uh, yeah. sort it out. And it looks and then so similar, it of looks course. Similar. So, yeah. And then like eventually if you put it in the right environment where there is enough heat and enough kind of like uh, moisture and pressure and special conditions, it will break down, not from like a biological kind of like process, but from like a hydrolysis process. And then those small chunks will start to look more like pieces of like natural bits that bacteria can eat. So the, the number one uh, bioplastic that is used today industrially is, is called PLA, polylactic acid. It's been kind of like very often misled, uh, like uh, misleadingly labeled as biodegradable, but like really it is just industrially compostable. Um, and so when, uh, when we kind of realized as well, because I think when we started this, we didn't know too much about like um, the reality of PLA. So we thought, oh, interesting. There's like bioplastics. You can do lots of like stuff that you can do with plastic, but they are going to degrade at the end of life. And actually when we realized that it was just not true, like it was not kind of like lifting that burden that we have of like plastic waste. We were like, what we're doing is very different. It's not plastic because it's a, like a set of natural polysaccharides that naturally occur in, in seaweed. It's not PLA. Um, and um, even if it's a bit weird to kind of like define what we do by like a negation of what it isn't, um, it actually felt quite interesting of a way to like separate ourselves from all of these other things that like try to confuse people and aren't very clear about what they are. Um, so, so that's where the name came from. Yeah, no, I like that. And I suppose that's what we're after at the moment, isn't it? We're after something that isn't plastic to mm. replace it. Um, and I know that the product is actually called, is it Oho? Yeah. And the actual seaweed product. And then the company is Nopla. Um, so let's get into some of the uses for it because we can eat it. <laughs> You've managed to make it so it doesn't taste of seaweed. Um, yeah. So what are your kind of uses? What are your sort of clients at the moment for this product? Yeah. So the like the first product that we came up with is this bubble that we call Oho and actually the name if we're talking about naming the name Oho it was kind of like the name of the sound of surprise that like when we showed it to our flatmates out of the kitchen they were like oh and we're like that's the name <laughs> so that was kind of like uh it works in every language like I mean people say a, a, a different pronunciation but it works in every kind of like language and of course because um, I imagine you're you're French yeah, and Rodrigo and Spanish? Spanish exactly right okay yeah. and so um, so basically it was kind of like yeah, it was kind of like a funny way to give it a name that would that would kind of like uh, occur in the wild. And like, even to this day, it's quite nice when we go to like events or marathons or whatever it is. And like, you see people are like, oh, and like, yes, that's the name. That's what it's called. <laughs> and so so we we kind of like realized that this product was, um, it, it was really interesting, but obviously it was not a replacement for every single plastic bottle in the world because yeah. it's a small quantity of like beverage it is uh, a little bit kind of like squishy it's really more like a like a fruit again so um it, it had to kind of like serve very specific uh, applications so the first one that we, we 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 saw a great deal of kind of like adequation with is running events and marathons because if you've ever been like running a, a race like the amount of like bottles and or, or cups that are used within a single day and like the the pile up of like all of that trash is just crazy and i think that especially like people who run tend to have like a relationship to health and to the environment that is kind of like quite special so more and more people are actually like feeling kind of like really uh frustrated that the spot that they love and, and want to participate is just generating 
yeah, like hundreds of thousands of kind of like uh, trash uh, items at the end of like the day. So um, we uh, we started doing some, doing some testing and actually started working with um, with Lucozade as well for kind of like doing energy uh, drinks because they very often kind of like uh, offer those at the hydration stations. And it kind of like grew quite organically. Um, so uh, that just became a very kind of like interesting use case for the product. Typically, if we do water, we do larger sachets uh, of, of, uh, of, of like 60 or 70 milliliter of water, which like is two bubble, the, which is kind <laughs> of like the, actually the amount that you drink, because when you run a marathon, uh, you actually grab the bottle, you drink like four or five sips, and then you throw the bottle like 80% full. Um, so we kind of like optimize the size for, for this. And um, some people are interested in eating the, the packaging, but you don't have to eat it. If you can eat it, nature can eat it, but like it's not the case that you always want to eat your packaging. Um, and uh, and yeah, so we've been kind of like doing a lot of like marathons, and eventually like we we also kind of like started being able to uh, encapsulate cocktails. So that was really fun to have like now you're talking espresso martinis <laughs> and tequila sunrise. Uh, I had a few last night at an event, and they are always right. kind of like such a, such fun <laughs> kind of like explosion in your mouth. And so um, that started working really well for festivals when, again, like you have very poor kind of like uh, waste collection infrastructure and lots of changes of, 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 uh, of kind of like littering. Um, so uh, those kind of like started to be natural places where OHO was making a lot of sense. And then like a little bit further down the line, we actually started testing with uh, condiments, so ketchup and mayo for actually replacing the little kind of like sachets that you get when you order a, a meal uh, takeaway and, and started this really kind of like uh, uh, strong partnership that we have with Just Eat, uh, who's been always kind of like uh, really supportive of what we do and very keen to improve the, the impact that the like takeaway delivery uh, industry is having because they know that like if you continue having like 20 pieces of plastic every time you order something eventually legislators are going to ban that and it's going to just kind of like have lots of negative impact on the whole industry as a whole so they've always been like very keen to be the like the first mover when it comes to bringing some some alternatives and um and so um we we kind of like realized at some point that there was more we could do with the seaweed and the technology that we had developed so we started um, working on applying our seaweed as a coating onto cardboard um, so that we could actually start making um, like cardboard that is resistant to like hot food or uh, like uh, liquids. Um, and, and especially like the, the, the first application that of this technology of the coating is going to be for food boxes uh, that are again going to just eat restaurants. Um, so we just started to kind of like launch the boxes with them uh, in the past few months. And basically when you get like a, a, a takeaway box, either it's going to be like fully plastic or if it's cardboard, uh, like it contains a thin layer of plastic on the inside. And actually that thin layer of plastic, it makes it completely impossible to recycle because these two materials combined together are un, kind of like uh, separable. So you, you basically can't really do anything with that waste that is valuable the plastic will stay around forever. Um, and even worse, in some cases, um, they don't use plastic, 
but they use um, synthetic additives directly inside of the cardboard to make the cardboard kind of like resistant to the grease or the moisture. And a lot of those are actually even kind of like uh, more toxic than, than plastic. So you've got all these category of like PFAS. Um, if you've seen the movie like Dark Waters, it's this kind of like Teflon-like material that um, has been used in the packaging industry a lot for making cardboard resistant water. So basically like it looks like it's a good thing because it's cardboard on the outside, but actually very often it just isn't a really great solution. So we're yeah. super excited that we can bring our kind of like seaweed coating to have something that combines natural cardboard made from like cellulose fibers and natural seaweed. End of life is either biodegradation or recyclability. And uh, and yeah, like it's a much better solution for the industry. Yeah, I'm 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 always my husband's always putting his coffee cups in the recycling bin, and I'm like, nope, that's mm. coming out. Um, exactly. And I don't want to show off, but I have done a marathon before, mm. um, not recently. <laughs> But I, I do live near the London Marathon route. I mean, if you live yeah. in London, you probably near the, live near the London <laughs> Marathon route. And I saw all of those energy gels and I thought all over the floor mm. for weeks afterwards. And I did think, I mean, why aren't, you know, why is that even an option now when you have something mm. like that? I mean, people literally, again, squirt that into their mouth and then it's on the floor, like you say about Luxe bottles as well. So it's definitely one of those things where I was like, that's 100% something that could be replaced with not plow, isn't it? So, yeah, that's the, I think like, in a way, plastic is a very great material and like, I'm not against plastic. I think plastic is uh, a really useful material when it's used in the right place. Uh, it has an incredible kind of like, uh, like weight to performance ratio that like um, we need as a society for medical applications to save lives. And there's just kind of like lots of reason to use plastic. But the problem is that the vast majority of the plastic we use, we use for silly applications that are instant, that are completely kind of like neglecting the like the real value of plastic because plastic is valuable if you collect it and you can reuse it and recycle it. And, and so um, what we are kind of like really passionate about is uh, like how can we use better materials where plastic is just the wrong choice and natural materials actually have a huge role to play and plastic has just allowed us to be very lazy on the design of our like uh, products and packaging because you can do it all. So uh, why don't we just like don't think too hard about like what we need to put in place. Let's just use plastic everywhere. But now we know that like this is just kind of like completely uh, uh, insane. The, 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 the impact of plastic on our oceans, on our health is just kind of like completely disproportionate to the cheap price that we pay when we buy plastic products. Actually, I mean, like, um, like NGOs are starting to do a lot of kind of like research on what actually is that cost on society of plastic. And there was a really interesting kind of like one, I think that was led by WWF, where they found that like, I think on, on average, um, the cost of plastic on society is about 10 times the cost that the manufacturer is paying. So it's not a very cheap solution. Like when you think about it, like every time you buy something, if it's gonna cost all of us 10 times this price of just kind of like health bills and loss of habitat, that's just something that like is a really expensive kind of like uh, cost on all of us. And I think that when you're starting to think of it that way, you actually see that there's lots of other materials that are much cheaper overall 
And it's just about kind of like getting this right mindset that it's not because something is sold transactionally to someone for a very low, a small amount of price that the overall kind of like uh, economical kind of like impact is the is the lowest. Um, so I think we're making lots of progress. Lots of like legislations are coming into place in the EU, and I think the UK is going to follow um, like those uh, those progress as well. Um, so it's a good time for um, kind of like switching to other materials that actually take into account all of their kind of like uh, full end-to-end uh, cost on life. Yeah, complete. I mean, you're speaking my language saying plastic is a useful material, but we're using it in the wrong way. And it's such a good point, isn't it? Just because something is cheap to us doesn't mean that there isn't a cost impact in terms of money, in terms of habitat on everything. I think that goes for fast fashion, for everything that that plastic sort of waste touches in our society at the moment. And you brought up WWF and NGOs. We're talking ahead of COP26. Um, Environmental groups have been saying... Don't forget about plastic pollution when it comes to thinking about climate change issues. Do you personally have any hopes for COP? Anything you would like to see? We've talked about bans and we've spoken on this podcast before, France banning plastic on vegetables mm. most recently. And what would you like to see come out of COP? Yeah, I think, I mean, the dream is to kind of like make commitments that are just too big to not respect. And I think that like we'd love to see some like really bold kind of like announcements I think that um, um, if we can kind of like hold our politicians accountable for like, yeah, these, these, like these external costs that we're all going to have to pay one way or another, um, it, would be, it would be very helpful because then I think it helps the, the rest of the narrative working with industrial partners, working with and like uh, the other stakeholders that like, yeah, everyone is kind of like same mission, same vision, Let's just get ourselves out of this kind of like mess that we've created. And I think that um, unfortunately, it's been the case on plastic and on climate change. Um, people are just kind of like fighting over the definitions and some of the things that are actually like just distracting everyone from like the real action that we have. So those are always kind of like a bit complex because I think that uh, there's a lot of hope from everyone, but actually like just getting everyone in that kind of like good place of working collaboratively is, is really hard. Um, I think in a way, like uh, climate change is a, is a huge, huge challenge. Um, and um, uh, like plastic is another one. And there's like a hundred other kind of like challenges, like the loss of kind of like fertility of the soil, the like air pollution. There's just like so many things that in a way require just the same kind of like um, active proactive and like positive attitude of being like okay let's make uh let's make a change and, and so if, if there is any hope that like um this attitude shows up at cop 26 i think that that's going to be helpful for all of those battles um climate change but all of the other ones as well yeah completely completely um and getting back to nopla there are some uses there are some things that it can't do because of the brilliant material that it is because it biodegrades in literally weeks doesn't Mm. it it's gone yeah so it's definitely um like a material that is quite uh kind of like specific in the sense that um you can't expect something to kind of like resist all sorts of kind of like hardship and then disappear just magically because nature doesn't really work that way so um we we are always working on for example like improving the shelf life of our products. 
Um, but whenever we try to kind of like combine it with other kind of like uh, like elements and so on, um, we don't want to tip it over that actually nature doesn't recognize this material anymore and then it becomes like non-biodegradable. So it's always kind of like working that fine line and like using nature uh, as, as much as, as we can. Um, we have like a, one of our values at Notify is that nature knows best. We think that like, we don't have to kind of like create some crazy new material when there are so many kind of like building blocks available out there and like nature doesn't usually use mono materials. It just combines lots of different things together in a very elegant way to create a solution that like works really well. So um, in a way we are kind of like scratching the surface of what we can do. I think that um, again, like having worked um, at, at L'Oreal uh, previously, and that was my kind of like, uh, like first uh, discovery of like the industrial kind of like scale of uh, production of, of plastic and packaging. When you see the, like how advanced the plastic technology is, it, it literally took us a hundred years and maybe like hundreds of billions of like pounds of investment and uh, hundreds of thousands of like brilliant brains to get from the gooey kind of like, uh, like dirty uh, petroleum material to the plastic that is everywhere um, around us. So if we deploy this kind of like ingenuity towards um, like natural materials, who's to say what we can do? I think that we are really kind of like just doing the very like easy kind of like top layer uh, things that we can do with seaweed. So I have a lot of hope that um, as more people are kind of like coming to study these fields, to work on the industry with, with startups like us, more investors are kind of like putting some uh, resources towards uh, these kind of projects. Um, there's going to be like just breakthroughs and breakthroughs and the things that we can do are, are incredible. But for now, we have to embrace the limitations. That's why we pick very specific applications uh, where our kind of like shorter shelf life is kind of like suitable for having a, a product and land there and then expand from there. Hey. If you want to email a brand but don't know where to start, you can now download a template from my website. It is a handy form that helps you email a company or business and ask them to use less plastic. This is an easy copy and paste. Fill in the gaps and ask that brand about their sustainability goals. Just head to iamandreafox.co.uk to download. What is the thing you would love to mm. replace? I think, I mean, like, the thing that really excites us is that... Um, it's not just going to be like one or two products, but we want to create a catalog that is going to be like helping brands switch away from plastic. Um, and we know that we need lots of different kind of like variations uh, to be able like to, to suit many different needs. Um, so we're really excited to, to kind of like build that platform where we can take like radical new concepts out of the lab and onto the market and deal with all that industrialization and kind of like make it have the impact that we want to have. Um, so I think, yeah, like we're, look, we're starting to look at some like really uh, cool stuff, like uh, how do we make toothpaste plastic free? How do we make um, kind of like um, olive oil plastic free? How do we make um, like uh, cosmetic products plastic free? There's lots of like ways that like we can leverage some of the things we're finding for some other applications. Um, and I think that um, we're kind of like just at the beginning of that journey. Um, and, and we're kind of like always... Uh, yeah, like um, fascinated that there are quite a few different like roles that seaweed can play that like it's, it's, it's kind of like the wood of the sea and we're not like nearly using it 
as much as we should because some of the seaweed that we use grows up to a meter per day. So it's like super renewable. Wow. Like how come we're using petrol that takes, yeah, like again, like millions of years compressed deep under the like earth crust um, compared to something that grows super fast. Uh, it's just like, it, it's, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know what we've been doing, not using seaweed earlier. Yeah, I mean, we talk about bamboo yeah. uh, and how quickly that grows and how, you know, um, renewable that is. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like seaweed is like the bamboo of the sea yeah. for sure. For sure. And I want to talk cling film as well because we mm. say food. I feel like Nopla mm. cling film material, which is one of those things that I've, I've spoken to a plastic-free kitchen here in London, a little cookery school before, and they are basically completely plastic-free, but they're really struggling mm. with that material because chef-wise, yeah. cling film's kind of useful, right? Yeah. No, it's it's really tough. I think like we we are venturing into kind of like making uh, films for like non-liquids. Um, um, and what we're finding is that like we can make certain things that like work quite well for specific applications, but in a way like plastic is still kind of like um, good at stretching, being very thin, um, with with upgrading. We've kind of like got used to how cheap we can buy it. So um, like any kind of like new, not at scale technology is always a bit of like a, a premium to start with. So I think it's going to take a bit of time to kind of like replace some of those kind of like lowest value uh, products. Um, but I think that like, it, it, like we just have to kind of like continue and kind of like uh, go back at like uh, uh, the, the research and development all the time on how we can push the technology because if we can make the things we can make today we're a tiny startup we are like uh, 45 people uh, out of london working on this it's kind of like a massive world problem so uh, we're not going to be able to solve everything right now at this stage but like we need to be like hundreds of thousands working on this to to really crack it and you touched on costs there because you mentioned at the start that your material is cheaper to produce than plastic bottles am i right so it's not like it's not cheaper than plastic bottles because plastic doesn't really take into account its real cost. The seaweed itself grows super fast, so definitely like seaweed is a very kind of like cost efficient uh, biomass. And then because we are building the technology at the moment, our machines aren't as efficient as like the ones that are making plastic. And there's just like a, a few more steps that we need to really iron out before we reach scale. So right now to start with, we're definitely coming at a premium because we are just not kind of like as efficient as like well-oiled production of plastic. But we already know that like we're definitely like much cheaper than the real cost of plastic when you take into account the real impact it has on like end of life. And our goal is that we want to have mass adoption of our products. So for that, it means that it's going to have to be maybe not cheaper than the cost of plastic we're paying today because that's very virtual. I don't think that there's going to be like material that necessarily has like this potential, but we want to be like one of the most affordable, sustainable packaging solutions so that when you actually kind of like buy something that takes into account its whole kind of like uh, life cycle, that you're getting something that is the most affordable you can. And I think seaweed is going to be one material, but there's so many other materials out there that have a role to play. There's people doing some really cool stuff with mushrooms, and with shrimp shells and with like coffee bean waste and all sorts of like really cool materials that can play again like a very specific role in a specific place and we think that seaweed has a really good 
shot at being like one of the most affordable uh, solutions then, but probably will will never kind of like be as kind of like low as the virtual cost of plastic today. We've spoken to a CEO founder called Mark Karema from Air Carbon, New Light Technologies, mm. which is using a polymer from an organism in the ocean. So a bit like you taking something mm. from the ocean, which regenerates. And I think that's really interesting. And it, and it does last a little bit longer. But like you say, I think sometimes people are like, we need one solution for mm. everything. And actually, there is loads of different kinds of plastic out there. So why not replace them all with loads of different kind of plastic alternatives? But talking about that cost implication there, and we've talked about how plastic Plastic is much more expensive to us as a society than the penny we might pay on a one pound bottle of pop. Um, do you think that maybe out of COP, out of the coming years in terms of governments, charging the plastic producers the true cost might be the way to get them investing in companies like yours, investing in all of these other plastic alternatives to, to mean that they are more widespread? Definitely. I think that like the dream is that we create like a fair kind of like comparison of the different materials and that we incorporate the price of all of these into, into the, the, the final kind of like product cost. I think obviously, like, as you can imagine, there's so much at stake with the plastics industry. Like they have like infinite funding for their lobbies. And so it's going to be a lot of time before we actually kind of like manage to go past this, but also like, I think we're, we're kind of like, uh, like making some progress. I think the other day uh, I was on a conference, they were saying that there's 190 pieces of legislations around the world that are tackling plastic that are in the process of being kind of like, um, you know, like uh, voted. Um, so in a way, banning plastic for specific use cases is the ultimate like, uh, like cost kind of like uh, incorporation of that negative uh, uh, part of, of, of uh, plastic because it just kind of like shows that is so damaging that we don't even kind of like want to engage with it. And I think that like, mm. um, I have the feeling that like, again, like plastic shouldn't be kind of like banned for every application and maybe plastic shouldn't be banned uh, at all as long as that cost is taken, taken into consideration. And that like, if you're willing to pay to spend like 10 times the cost of like plastic today to actually go and clean up all of the kind of like loss of ecological services that this is kind of like destroying further down the line why not like that's going to be kind of like a, res a responsible uh, approach but i think that um unfortunately like that's not going to happen tomorrow um, and there's there's still a lot of kind of like uh like vested interest in in making plastic continue for a while to continue making some like good cash for a bunch of companies um but the the nice thing i think is that at the end of the day, people, they don't want to buy something that's going to ruin the air quality and the ocean's quality and just kind of like make a worse uh, world for their children. No one wants that. And, and like, especially the people who work in plastics, like no, not even them want that. Like, so if everyone is so kind of like clear that they don't want that, it means that there's going to be like more push for alternatives. The alternatives are going to have a chance to prove themselves. And eventually I think that like, when people just kind of like come to their senses and realize that actually the, this is much better, this is going to be kind of like a, a natural transition. And I think um, it was interesting, um, like uh, we're talking with some brands who've actually like become plastic free. They were saying like, yes, we are like our products are, are, are more expensive because they are the true cost, but we are growing twice as fast as everyone else in our kind of like market. So people are kind of like pulling money where their mouth is 
I think that like, um, unfortunately, it's not kind of like as radical as changing everything right away into like one kind of like better solution. But I think that um, the like the realignment of values uh, between like the consumers and the brands is really happening right now. And and the reality is that like a lot of companies that we've kind of like started working with, yes, they pay like a, a few kind of like pennies for their packaging, but they pay three pounds for a click on Instagram. I mean, this is the this is the cost of having a like a product. You have to kind of like maintain your image by doing lots of kind of like cool videos and marketing and branding. That's costing you millions. So if you just mm. kind of like bring those back into making good products in the first place, that actually turns mm. out to be much more kind of much cheaper. And so a lot of like the the partners we have at the moment, they are getting so much out of like the organic kind of like excitement of the consumers who are just like, oh, that's cool. I bought something and I don't have to feel terrible about. So I think that 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 goes a, a really long way. And like, actually the companies that have the most flexible approach to like seeing the interchangeable value of marketing versus kind of like squishing a real kind of like penny on, on packaging, they are the ones who are doing the best at the moment. Yeah, that's so interesting. So interesting. And you've brought it up a few times now that you have worked for L'Oreal. So I just wondered... When you were there, I know it was a little while ago now, but what was the sort of attitude around reducing their impact in terms of plastic, in terms of climate change? I think, I mean, um, L'Oreal and others, I think, like, you have, um, like, probably pressure from shareholders to just kind of, like, deliver on profits. There's also, like, the habit of having done things a certain way for a long time. So why would you change? Um, I think, in general, for those big groups, it's much easier to be a follower than to actually kind of like be a, like a first on any of those kind of like topics. So yeah. um, there was always like a little bit of willingness to kind of like find out what's going on or what could we do. But actually when it comes to like decision time, like it's always kind of like the, the last priority rather than kind of like launching something really quickly on this market because we can make a, a few kind of like extra millions of pounds so i think yeah like i'm sure that there's like some great uh, initiatives happening right now at l'oreal but when i was there there was just like nothing that connected with my need for purpose as an employee i didn't want to work for something that is just kind of like selling kind of like beauty products without any kind of like uh regards for where all of this plastic that we're creating is ending up with, uh, ending up. And I remember like, um, yeah, like this kind of like moment where you're like in front of the conditioning lines and you see like the products, they fly on the on the conditioning line at incredible speed. You're like, where is all of this going? Like this is going somewhere and I'm pretty sure that it's not going in like a very well controlled kind of like recycling uh, stream always. So um, yeah, like when you when you make products, you have a huge responsibility of like, where they're going to end up and even us like as now like we're starting to get some like uh, uh growth on our kind of like industrial manufacturing processes um not everything we do today is like yet uh like a hundred percent optimized and everything and yeah. like when you have that kind of like deep kind of like uh i guess like mission driven kind of like uh drive it hurts you if, if you're not doing everything perfectly right. You're like, ah, oh, but like, you're like, yeah, we can fix that in six months. But like for six months, we're going to be doing this, like not mm -hmm. optimized. Like, so I think that like this, uh, 
emotional connection to the products that you, and the impact that you're having. Uh, big companies are very good at kind of like externalizing that. This is no one's real kind of like responsibility in the end so that you can just keep on like making everything happen without having anyone kind of like feeling too bad about it. But yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so interesting. And that is something I hear from so many innovators um, that that idea that you've just said that you want to be doing things right. And I still am really disappointed that, you know, L'Oreal and the like, when you see recyclable on the bottle and it's not made from recycled materials, they could be getting all those bottles back and using them because they clearly have, you know, a value to them. But um, um, I really want to finish up with our last two questions, Pierre, that we always ask our guests. You've kind of touched on this already, but um, plastic is a great material. We're just using it in the wrong way. But is there anything in your life that you are thankful for plastic, like a favorite plastic item? I often say my vinyl collection <laughs> yeah that's true um let me think uh hmm. i never really kind of like uh put plastic very high on my uh <laughs> list of favorite <laughs> objects list of likes but, yeah i mean like honestly you know like uh um every time you have some sort of kind of like uh medical issue you go to kind of like a hospital like knowing that everything is going to be like perfectly sterile and like mm -hmm. that you're not going to kind of like catch some horrible kind of like uh, disease that is just kind of like floating around that's yeah. incredible like we've we've kind of like reached a level of uh, of control over uh, yeah like sterilization that would be kind of like incredibly kind of like hard to do with any other material so i think that for me is the place where plastic is just kind of like definitely saving lives and deserves to kind of like uh, continue to to do. Then like the, the, a lot of those are still single use. So maybe there's like a better way of making sure that they actually go and end up being recycled or whatever it is. But I think yeah. I would say that like, um, yeah, like touching wood, but uh, I'm not going to a hospital anytime soon, but I'll be grateful for plastic <laughs> then. Yeah, completely. And we've spoken to someone on this podcast before who's um, in Canada, who's taking all the old PPE, turning it mm. into pellets and making new PPE from cool. it. So that's another innovation that we're working on for the future. Final question then, Pierre, um, your environmental hero, someone you look up to in this space. Um, I think um, like uh, maybe not a hero, but like I think one of the things that has really changed the game for us is um, like all the people who call out brands for not kind of like giving them options that are kind of like suiting their requirements. So it's kind of like the, the tiny little kind of like, uh, like sh shaming tweets and kind of like Insta, like why is this like this and, and so on that I think very often feel like uh, you're not great at Thunberg. So you're not going to kind of like have a massive platform, but actually in reality you do because like, when we started in 2014, plastic was not a very kind of like hot topic. It was pre Blue Planet 2 and kind of like mm -hmm. David Attenborough's kind of like focus on, uh, there were like it was pre turtle and everything. And so yeah. um, we saw a radical change of like companies not caring and like it was just like noise. People were kind of like, oh, these, these kind of activists will just kind of like, uh, uh, like talk to each other and we don't have to kind of like take any, any notice to actually like now every market year from like all of these brands, they are like super responsive. They are like super quick to point out to uh, the social responsibility report of last year. And we're doing this and with that. And like 
thank you for your feedback we're doing everything so it's a massive change and like it means that like all these companies have their like finger on the pulse of like how are our customers kind of like dealing with the fact that we are still not kind of like giving them what they truly want so i think that those people are the kind of like uh, kind of like uh, the little heroes of of changing uh, changing the game because without that the companies are not interested in working with small startups who have like um, some innovative solutions and uh, without the kind of like buy-in from someone in the industry it's very hard to bring anything to scale imagine if we really charged everything, everything that is detrimental to the environment, its actual environmental cost. Big thank you to Pierre Pallier from NotPla. You can find out more at notpla.com, notpla.com. And if you want to listen back to the episodes all about the product Air Carbon and the episode talking about making new PPE out of old PPE, they're in the show notes. Now, if you want to check out some edible seaweed and you live in the UK, NotPla and their OHO seaweed capsules. There's actually a vending machine with them inside at the Design Museum in London in the UK at the moment at an exhibition which runs until the 22nd of February 2022. It's called Waste Age. What can design do? Waste Age. Oh, that would have been a good name for a podcast, but I went with Age of Plastic. Uh, You can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to go and check that out. Linked in the show notes, as always. Now, a little bit of a cop-out this week. We are staring down the barrel of COP26 happening in Glasgow, and there's just so much information out there, not all of it good. I wanted to point you in the direction of the social media feeds of all of the guests that we've had on this podcast, but also we don't have time. There's a link in the show notes. They're calling it their backdoor to COP26 if you want to sign up and get updates on everything that's going on at COP26. I will put the link to the We Don't Have Time backdoor COP26 in the show notes. It's going to be daily live broadcasts from COP26 in Glasgow and from their hubs in Stockholm, Helsinki and Washington, plus Nairobi. And it's going to run from the 1st of November until the 12th. Okay, my guilty consumer moment of this week. I don't know how it happened. I was just desperate for some naan. And I actually bought some naan and afterwards I was thinking, maybe I could put this plastic bag in the bag recycling. I kid you not, it had a Do Not Recycle logo on it. First time I've seen one of those... When I tell you a vein popped in my head, how are food producers and plastic producers even allowed to produce something and put that logo on it with a straight face? (sighs) Anyway, that's my guilty consumer moment for this week. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. As always, I'll be back next week with another brilliant guest for you. Until then, wash your hands and your recycling and wear a mask. 